0: Hello and welcome to SSI Live. You've long known the Strategic Studies Institute, or SSI, at the U.S. Army War College as the go-to location for issues related to national security and military strategy with an emphasis on geostrategic analysis. SSI conducts strategic research and analysis to support the U.S. Army War College curricula, assist and inform Army, DOD, and U.S. government leadership, and serve as a bridge to the wider strategic community. Now we're bringing you access. To SSI analyses, scholars, and guests through this, the SSI Live podcast series. Thanks for joining us. Hello and welcome to this edition of SSI Live. My name is John Denny and I'm a research professor of national security studies here at SSI at the U.S. Army War College. It's Friday, October 27, 2023, and today I'm joined by my SSI colleague, Dr. Evan Ellis. Evan is a research professor of Latin American Studies, and I've asked him to join us today for a discussion on the very interesting results in recent elections in Argentina, Ecuador, and Venezuela. Evan, welcome. Thanks, John. It's a pleasure to be with you on the show. Evan, let me start with Ecuador. Daniel Noboa Azin of the National Democratic Action Coalition won the October 15th runoff election there. Now, he's the 35-year-old son of Ecuador's richest man and the heir to a large international business conglomerate. Noboa, who describes himself as center-left, beat a leftist, Luisa Gonzalez, who's an ally of former populist president Rafael Correa. Now, this shouldn't be an election year in Ecuador, but current president Guillermo Lasso called snap elections to avoid impeachment over spiraling violence related to drug trafficking. Now this means Noboa will only govern for about 18 months or until the next general election scheduled for May of 2025. Evan, what's the outlook for Ecuador? Is it likely Noboa will be able to get his arms around the country's challenges and stem the tide of outward migration northward? Well to begin John uh,
1: this is probably somewhat good news uh for two reasons uh first of all the uh, defeat of Luisa Gonzalez uh, uh- Closes, at least immediately, the, the prospects of uh, her mentor, Rafael Correa, a leftist populist uh, who had really wrought havoc on Ecuador before uh, returning to power from behind the scenes. Also, Naboa himself um, is uh, relatively pro-market, uh, uh, pro-U.S., uh, and a uh, reasonable uh, reason to uh, believe that he will uh, use uh, things like Ecuador's access to financing responsibly as he proceeds uh, forward. Um, having said that, though, there are any number of problems which he will probably not be able to complete overcome. Um, number one, as you pointed out, uh, he comes in with a relatively brief amount of time and a government uh, which will be a, a minority government uh, that will have to reach out and, and build bridges. However, um, those in the opposition, uh, such as the uh, Citizen Revolutionary Party represented by, by Gonzalez, will have every reason to uh, see Noboa not succeed and thus uh, may be governing in part uh, not to help him but to sabotage him. At the same time, uh, Ecuador faces uh, tremendous problems with the explosion of violence, and that's probably only going to get worse before it gets better um, with uh, the two uh gangs, the, the Choneros and, and, and the Lobos uh, supercharged by drug money coming into the country and the help of groups like uh, Mexico's uh, Sinaloa and uh, Jalisco Nueva Generacion uh, cartel. Now, it's also probable that from Colombia and in Peru that the situation in terms of drug flows will actually get worse before things uh, get better. Um, and that may be complicated by also problems in the international economy, uh, price shocks that uh, may arise uh, from unfolding wars not only in the Ukraine, but now the Middle East and and other factors. Um, However, uh, when you take a look at Ecuador in general, there's reasons for hope uh, in that that Ecuador tends to have a pretty good civic culture and relatively strong institutions despite its many problems. Um, Nabo himself has come up with some uh, relatively innovative solutions in terms of reforming jails, strengthening defense, and certainly the United States has indicated a disposition to help him out in that area. Um, However, attracting foreign investment and attracting uh, local uh, investment will be critical. A question of just at the end of the day, how many jobs can he create? Um, And the question of what will be the role of China that Ecuador pursues in all of that? And so I think we're going to wind up with a situation at the end of the year that's better than it is now, Um, but uh, it certainly will not uh, resolve all of Ecuador's
0: problems by a long shot. All right, Evan, let me turn now to Venezuela. This past Sunday, conservative opposition leader Maria Corina Machado, a former member of the country's legislature, won just over 92% of the vote in a 10-candidate race among parties seeking to challenge the role of President Nicolas Maduro. Perhaps unsurprisingly, given Maduro's authoritarian regime, the primary vote was unofficial and received no government support. Nonetheless, the government and opposition leaders agreed to terms last week for elections in the second half of 2024. The Biden administration rewarded the government the next day by easing sanctions on Venezuela's oil, gas, and gold industries. Evan, what's your sense of whether and how the Maduro regime will make good on its promise to the opposition? And if they do, what might it mean for the 7 million Venezuelans, a quarter of the country's population, who have fled their country over the last decade? Well, John, first of all, the good news
1: is the pouring of Uh, civic spirit that we saw with the overwhelming election of Maria Corina Machado. Um, Important to point out, as you alluded to, John, that um, without any help whatsoever from the the government, uh, not even access to things like public schools where people could go to actually vote, um, that the opposition was able to pull together 3,100 polling places, um, plus uh, 28 countries in which uh, some of those 7.7 million displaced Venezuelans also voted. Despite all of that, uh, you had a vote that came in with a few hiccups uh, within a matter of uh, of hours, um, and the number of people that participated was actually double what was originally what was, was expected. Thus, uh, you know, there is uh, still uh, a democratic spirit that is alive in the country. However, from here, I fear things are likely to progressively go downhill. So first of all, um, the regime, especially Jorge Rodriguez, has indicated that uh, the government will not certify uh, Machado because she had been previously inhabilitated on a technicality. On the other hand, um, the U.S. had basically suggested Suggested that uh, it has uh, um, the, the Maduro regime has until uh, sometime in November to uh, essentially get its act together, and so uh, with those uh, two conflicting. Uh, uh, forces. What will likely happen is we enter into a vague area now in which um, essentially uh, we've already given a six-month license uh, for the uh, Maduro regime to sell a broad variety of, of different oil products, not just uh, you know a, a general license for uh, Chevron or, or or another narrow company like like Eni or or Repsol like we had before. Um, but really, a pretty open uh, blanket opportunity uh, for the regime to make lots of money off of selling oil, uh, while at the same time we're going to see a a rise of oil prices because of the ongoing violence in in the Middle East and and elsewhere. And so all of that will play to Maduro not only symbolically, but in terms of putting more money in the short term into his coffers. Uh, At the same time, the question then becomes that um you know unless the US immediately uh you know responds to this by slapping sanctions back on uh in 2024 as we're approaching the elections which will be an electoral season in the United States as, as well um will the US essentially uh, admit defeat and, and reimpose sanctions or will it f- look for another intermediate measure. Uh, at the same time, uh, we also have to recognize that uh, the situation, even when the elections occur, there are significant uh, doubts uh, that, um, you know, even uh, if uh, Maria Corina Machado is, is allowed or she is forced uh, to appoint a, a some sort of a surrogate to run in her stead, um, will there be observers, uh, international observers allowed? Will there be equal access to the polling places between Chavista and non-Chavista areas? Will there be equal access to media? Um, Will there be uh, even the supposition of a reasonable balance in the orientation of the electoral authority, which is uh, basically stacked with uh, uh, Maduro uh, acolytes? Uh, will uh, there will be uh, violence that inhibits uh, some uh, regime uh Opponents from being able to express themselves And and, and go to vote Um, And at the end of the day um, If uh, all of those obstacles are overcome And we have a president uh, Maria Corina Machado uh, She will face enormous difficulties It is is very likely That the the major uh, Petroleum distribution uh, Organization, CITCO Will be essentially lost to to Venezuela It's being liquidated right now um, In a a, a Series of of international legal actions that are proceeding forward. Uh, Venezuela itself owes something like $90 billion in debt from all of the um, actions that the regime has previously um, imposed under Maduro. Citco um, itself is, uh, owes something like $13 billion to, to, to creditors. And so essentially, if uh, Marie Corina Machado, who I know and who is a impressive and brilliant um, uh, engineer, uh, does get to office, she will need all the help from the U.S. she can get because she will face a country that is broke and institutions that are stacked Against her from the outset.
0: Well, Evan, let me turn now to ask you about Argentina, finally, which held a general election this past Sunday. Now, the results were something of a surprise. Most polls showed Javier Malay, a libertarian outsider who won the presidential primaries in August, as the front runner. And during Sunday's first round, he won 30% of the vote, the same share he got in the primaries. However, Sergio Massa, a Peronis candidate who is Argentina's economy minister, won almost 37% of the vote, up from 21% in the primaries. Malay had been preaching a rather unorthodox approach to Argentina's serious economic challenges, including dollarizing the economy and slashing public spending and eliminating most taxes. But since the primary, Massa and his Perotis party backers went on a charm offensive. It included literally giving out refrigerators, mattresses, and other home goods to voters. The two candidates will now compete in a runoff on November 19th. Evan, do you think Massa is going to continue handing out goodies in a not so subtle effort to buy votes? And if so, do you think it'll work? Or what's the outlook for Malay? Well, it is likely that he'll
1: proceed in that direction, um, and there is uh, certainly a high probability that uh, that we'll see uh, Massa and not Malay emerge on top of this uh, campaign. However, important to point out that really it's, it's an ironic uh, struggle between Argentine's fear of a possible unknown future um, with re- – Respect to Malay versus their frustration with continuing a highly difficult past, uh, represented in, in many ways uh, by um, by Massa. Uh, but again, Massa has tried to position himself on the one hand that although he's been the economy minister and thus bears some responsibility for Argentina's uh, deepening uh, financial and, and economic morass, which includes inflation that's going to 200% or more uh, this year, as well as um, a uh, impending uh, continuing. Uh, Possibility of, of of debt crisis with the IMF and, and others. Um, we have to recognize that uh, Masa will have uh, the support also of the Peronist machine. Uh, Malay finds himself in a difficult position because, uh, first of all, as we saw, he his support was undermined going from the uh, the primary to the first round of the the election. Uh, it, really fell off because of, of the fear that many people in Argentina have towards his uh, libertarian policies and, and what uh, could come. Uh, what will be key is whether the people who voted for the third principal candidate, uh, former national security minister, Patricia Bullrich, uh, go over to Malay or they go over to, to Massa. And although many are probably frustrated with the Peronists, um, the appeal of Bullrich, a uh, relatively uh, level-headed, no-nonsense candidate, was precisely because she was predictable um so it's the actual predictability uh, that uh, masa offers despite being a peronist that will probably attract many of those Bullrich voters although they will not be excited about the choice also malay uh who is notably an anti-feminist and was uh, uh, known to uh, insult borich uh, rather personally uh that will make it very difficult for some of the Bullrich supporters to go over to Malay. Uh, on the other hand, uh, the two other candidates in, in the election, um, uh, Miriam Bregman and uh, Juan Chil- uh who are in one way or another leftists and, and Peronists, uh, their voters now going into the second round will probably also naturally go to, to Massa. So um, it will be very difficult for um, for Malay to, to get those votes and, and wind up on, on top. Uh, also, uh, it's, fear to point out that uh, if uh, for some reason Malay does wind up on top, he will have a difficult situation in that um, he will not come in with a natural governing coalition um, that will enable him to do some of the very controversial, painful things that he's talked about doing in terms of cutting um, uh, the size of government and cutting uh, government federal subsidies to to the states or some of the austerity uh, that would be implied by, um, for example, eliminating the central bank and and dollarizing the economy. Uh, Certainly, if Massa comes to power, he will have to deal with some of the more radical portions of the Argentine left, his own Peronist party. Um, in order to steer that central course that will enable him to avoid uh, essentially debt default and further crisis as um, Argentina moves into a new year.
0: Now, Evan, you know, as a a non-Latin American specialist, I wanted to ask you about these elections because it it seemed just an interesting set of uh, elections in this election season in Latin America. And I'm curious to ask you now, are there any similarities or commonalities? among these maybe that that, I, that i'm not seeing that i'm missing uh are there any common threads you see well there certainly are a, a series of, of loose common threads uh, certainly
1: uh the regime uh each of the portions of the region are facing very serious uh, problems that have to do with the economic crisis that have to do with uh, uh drugs and other illicit economies and, and have to do with insecurity and that's a uh, you know impacting the dynamic of each of these elections. I think uh, in each of the cases, we see the elections were shaped by high levels of frustration by the populations, which also reflect levels of, of frustration with the situation in the region uh, more broadly. Uh, in many ways, uh, it's a little bit different in that, for example, in Argentina and Venezuela, there's a lot about disillusionment with the past, uh, in, in particular um, in, in the party that's essentially the, the, the governing party that uh, the opposition is trying to displace. Um, now, in the case of Venezuela, uh, you could say that uh, it's uh, – v- in Venezuela this election is a lot about uh, the opposition trying to escape from really what is uh, leftist authoritarian populism in the case of, of Ecuador with the election of, of Naboa many of the reasons that Naboa was elected despite uh, a effective campaign uh, by Luisa Gonzalez is because Ecuador is fearful of returning to a populist authoritarian past represented by um, Rafael Correa in, in the shadows. In the case of Argentina it's something in the middle because um Massa, who represents that pseudo-populist Peronist party, but there's still a lot of democracy in Argentina, um, and ironically, uh, being... On the Peronist ticket, uh, Masa is running as not quite as much of a Peronist as the other Peronists. And so slightly different issues, but but very similar. Um, But it'll be difficult whoever wins in each of these three cases to meet the expectations that are created by the population in highly polarized context, um, in in highly polarized uh, uh, contests. And so it creates uh, some unique opportunities as well as uh, difficulties for the United States as we try to be partners, whatever happens. Happens uh, in each of these three cases.
0: Well, Evan, you uh, you foreshadow my next question for you, and that is, you know, let, let's try to bring this home a little bit, so to speak. What what are the implications for the U.S. here in these elections, either uh, taking them individually or collectively, and, and identifying some of the common threads that you have that you've identified for us.
1: Well, certainly in general, John, it emphasizes the degree to which uh, the U.S. is connected to the region by what happens here, that, uh, you know, the region in terms of, of its prosperity, freedom from violence, uh, these have strategic consequences for the United States with which uh, we share the hemisphere. At the same time, um, there are also a mixture for the United States of, of opportunities and, and, and risks. And what happens here, just like in, in previous occasions, uh, will will shape uh, the types of, of dilemmas that, that we have. In the region in 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 the future. So, for example, uh, in the case of, of Ecuador, really the issue is a country on the brink of some very uh, serious uh, uh, crisis with respect to to violence and in governance. And thus, if um, the United States is not able to really help Naboa succeed in the security realm and in the um, economic realm, what could come in, in Ecuador next could be far far worse than than what we're seeing here. And and that will create broader problems uh, across other parts of the region. Um, in the case of Argentina, uh, the United States has an interesting set of dilemmas. Um, if is likely you have uh, Massa being elected, uh, despite being a Peronist, uh, the United States uh, will have an interest in finding a common ground with him to en- enable Argentina to remain uh, democratic and, and stable. Uh, on the other hand, if Malay uh, is, is elected, there will be certain opportunities uh, given Malay's anti-China posture and his relatively pro-U.S. orientation and pro-market stance. Um, And yet the United States may also be hard-pressed to uh, help Malay to avoid the type of of political and economic crisis that his own uh, domestic political situation could thrust him into as he tries to implement some of his uh, relatively uh, uh, controversial policies. In the case of Venezuela, um, the issue is uh, somewhat different. Uh, The United States uh, really has a vested interest um, to try to uh, get the population – To to basically keep Machado's uh, candidacy alive um, and uh, to um, prevent the consolidation of of power by the Maduro regime um, and the impression that uh, Maduro uh, can essentially get away with a false election and that that gets him out of uh, sanctions um, because uh, that will send a powerful relationship. A uh, powerful uh, illustration to, to others that uh, you essentially you can defy and, and wait out the United States as an authoritarian regime. Um, so if Maduro succeeds here and, and Machado uh, and, and democracy essentially um, dies the final death with her uh, in 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 Venezuela, that will probably embolden others who are tempted to continue in their own authoritarian populist direction, whether that is in Cuba, Nicaragua or uh, governments that seem to be en route there such as uh, Honduras um i should also point out that uh, what happens thus in countries like Venezuela or what comes uh, potentially after uh, if things uh, do not uh, work out well in, in, in Ecuador or Argentina but especially Venezuela the question of the role of such authoritarian populist regimes in serving as a point of entry for even more worrisome actors, uh, Russia Iran and to a degree uh, China um, and, and especially thinking about Iran and Russia as the, the crisis in the Middle East escalates with Iran is one of those key actors behind and as the crisis in um, in, in Ukraine escalates with a possibly emboldened and, and uh, Russia with a freer hand.
0: Well, Evan, speaking of uh, America's primary adversaries that you've outlined, or you mentioned China, Russia, and Iran, uh, let's uh, dive into the implications a little deeper. Can you shed any light for us on what the implications are for the Pentagon and for our national security establishment of, of these elections and the potential outcomes? Absolutely, John. First of all, recognizing that uh, Latin America
1: and the Caribbean is the region with which uh, our security and our prosperity are directly connected um, by ties of geography, but also ties of, of commerce and by ties oftentimes of a of family. Thus, what happens here is we've seen with respect to cooperation issues like drugs, issues like uh, cooperation on uh, migration uh, directly impacts the United States. So um These political forces shaping the region and the region's willingness to cooperate with the United States, whether we or not we have friendly regimes, whether we have regimes that are willing to um, essentially host uh, potential uh, global U.S. adversaries like like Iran, Russia and China. Uh, This is playing out in the context of a global environment that is getting ever more worrisome with now – Multiple very serious conflicts going on, um, you know, continuing in the Ukraine, uh, escalating in the Middle East with with Iran in in the wings um, in the prospect that uh, in the middle of that, uh, the PRC could be emboldened to act to uh, essentially snuff out um, uh, Taiwanese autonomy. And so, um, you know, really the ability of the United States to respond simultaneously and navigate these environments is going to depend in part on the security we have in our own hemisphere. And and certainly uh, um, if things explode farther on the global scene, uh, it will really put a spotlight onto what some of those uh, broader adversaries could do, not only in those parts of the world, but in this hemisphere. And so, um, again, it's really a reminder that the more dangerous the world gets beyond the Western hemisphere, the more that what happens here in our own hemisphere matters. And we have opportunities, I think, uh, with uh, governments like that of Naboa or that Argentina uh, to really turn difficult situations around, but also we're reminded of the costs of failing to do that and failing to step up to make the best of these opportunities and mitigate these risks.
0: Well, Evan, I'm grateful that you've taken time today to talk to us about the, these elections in these three different countries and to shed some light for us on what the implications are for the U.S. and for our, our national security. Uh, Professor Evan Ellis, Research Professor of Latin American Studies, thanks for joining me today. Always a pleasure to talk to you, John. You can now find SSI Live on TuneIn Radio and on popular podcast directories like Stitcher and at the iTunes Store. If you have any comments on our podcasts, thoughts on what you'd like to see addressed, or a response to something you heard here at SSI Live, please go to our website. That's ssi.armywarcollege.edu. Find me, John Denny, in the staff directory, and send me an email. I look forward to hearing from you. For the SSI Live podcast series, I'm John Denny. Thanks for listening.